Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you that you do challenge us, not, not by works, not like we have to work our way to heaven. That's not what it's about. Our salvation's off the table. We're secure. But that sanctification process that, that needs to take place in our lives, allowing, allowing our souls to be washed in the water of the word, even as we're going to do this morning, by not evaluating the study, but allowing your Holy Spirit to evaluate my heart, my heart, and our hearts, that we might hear from you, Father, via your Holy Spirit, via your word. I pray for the gift of teaching, and Lord, that you would be glorified through all aspects of the morning. Father, we thank you for the rain. It is so wonderful. This is so needed. We thank you for this weather. Continue to be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're new or visiting, we do have Bibles in the chairs uh, below, you know, down low. If you look, you can grab one. If you need one, take it. If you're going to sell it for drugs, put it back when you're done. But uh, we're in 2 Corinthians, and the team always does a great job with these slides. This helps you to get quicker on your Bible. Um, I, I did a little bit of research, so I'm not an authority by any means. But I guess that possibly our president might sign over our sovereignty to who? And if you don't know who who is, who is the World Health Organization? Not our sovereignty as far as a nation, but signing over our medical sovereignty where who, and not just our nation, but almost every nation on the face of this earth is willing to sign over their sovereignty to a group of people that will then say when the next pandemic comes along, everyone needs to get vaxxed. And we will not be able to say no because who is in control of the whole world. Medically, Think about that. Well, no, that'll never happen. That's not in the Bible. Hello. That food fall under one world government. Guys, we are so close to the rapture, to Jesus coming back. So pray as we do on a regular basis. Pray for those who are in authority over us, that they would come to know Jesus. Because their power is so short-lived. We sang a song, didn't we, this morning? Jesus is over everything, guys. Every knee, every knee. Atheists and otherwise will bow their knee and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Now, they're not going to be saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. But as a Christian, we will bow our knee and we'll say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you for sending me on that day we step into heaven. But others will bow their knee because they're going to stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords in all of his glory. And their knee will automatically bow and say, you are Lord. So in Corinthians, if you're new or visiting... We finished off last Sunday with Paul making a statement that is contrary to what the flesh desires. Now, again, I, I, try, to, I try to teach simply because I'm a simple person and it needs to be applicable. So basically, we, our flesh has natural desires. Breathing, everybody likes to breathe. You know, drinking, you need water. Eating, yes, we need a healthy diet. Those are those natural desires um, in, intimacy, uh, in, in marital relationships. Intimacy is a normal, healthy 
desire. But the enemy also then wants to bring in outside forces to do away with what God has given to us as natural, healthy desires. Uh, Pornography will ruin a marriage. Females are gaining, if not caught up to men, in the purchasing of pornography. And this is the world stats, guys. This is just the world stats. So uh, it's, it's not a men thing anymore. It's a men and man or woman thing. So we have to be very guardful of that. Um, they're drinking. You know, the Bible says that, hey, have a, Paul tells Timothy, have a little wine for your many ailments. And we've discussed that before, so get the study. But the enemy also wants to whisper in your ear, oh, you can have one. You can have two. Oh, you're going to be fine. Have three or four. So we have our natural flesh, and, then, and it's hard to explain the other side of it, but I'm going to call it spiritual flesh where we have to make, allow the Holy Spirit to rule over our flesh, our spiritual flesh, and say, no, no, you're not doing that. That's not good for you. I want to keep you safe. And then we have a choice, even as we sang this morning, of either surrendering my flesh to the Spirit or my flesh to the demonic forces that want to ruin my Christian testimony. And so... The flesh desires others to think of itself as someone wonderful, super, that I'm a special individual with unique qualities. And that's what we're addressing in the Corinthian church because there were those who were either raised up within, they rose up within, or they came from the outside into the church. And remember, these are for the new people mostly. And what they were saying was, hey, Paul, Paul, I mean, look at his stature. Look at that guy. He's not impressive at all. And his speech. Have you heard him talk? Come on, who's Paul? And they're trying the outside appearance and the speech to draw people after themselves. Well, I'm an apostle just like Apostle Paul is apostle. I'm an apostle as well. That still happens today. People trying to draw themselves, uh, raise themselves up to draw others to follow them. You see, the flesh desires to look at the exterior qualities in hopes of receiving praise for such. But Jesus called it being a hypocrite, an actor, pretending to be someone you're not. And as we've read from Paul, Paul wants nothing to do with that and says it right out front. Even though he went to heaven and back, he didn't want to glory in that. You see, it was a trip that took place over 14 years ago, as we were reading last week, over 14 years ago. And he was mature enough to know that one trip doesn't create a person. The character that God desires to create. You see, he came to understand that it is a lifelong process of submitting to the will of God that builds a character of eternal value. That's very important for all of us to hear that. No matter what age you are. You're in your 70s. You think you have spiritual retirement available to you. There is no such thing as spiritual retirement. The enemy will seek you and hunt you down and ruin your testimony just as quickly as anybody else. We need to be on our guard. Let's look at verses uh, 7 and 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And what we do here, again, if you're new or visiting, we work through the, the Bible verse by verse. And so we're in Corinthians here. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. 
And he said to me, now my Bible, it's in red. Maybe it's read your Bible. Uh, so that would mean that Jesus is speaking. When you have your Bible, if it's a red letter edition that they believe, the interpreters believe. So it's either God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know that for sure. They're attributing it to the words of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now that makes perfect sense to attribute that to Christ, to Jesus, because we are saved by his grace, by what he did on the cross. So that's why the interpreters translated it and put it in red. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, because of that statement, because of what Jesus told him, therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities, notice that, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This word thorn here that we just read in verse 7, it carries with the idea of a stake, like a, sta- uh, a tent stake. So not like the stake we're going to eat at the men's tea. A tent stake. It's not a thorn from a rose bush or bougainvillea that you can be easily pulled out and forgotten about. Notice that Paul says, lest I should be exalted, lest I. Paul is referencing something about himself. And we don't, you know, we like talking about ourselves in the positive light. I don't think too many people mind doing that. But we typically don't like talking about ourselves in the negative light. Paul is giving us an insight about his own heart. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Notice that. Paul had many revelations. He wrote a few down, but he had many, according to this, the abundance. The three would not be in abundance. So he could say, by the three revelations I had. No, he says, by the abundance. Paul had an abundance of revelations. And God, knowing the heart of Paul, this applies to you and me this morning, allowed something to come upon him to bring a balance into his life. You see, God has a way of bringing balance into all of our lives if we're open to that. And I can look back at over my 45 years of being a Christian, and I can see that God, I've allowed God to do that. And that's changed my personality. Not drastically, but it has changed my personality for the good. He has, allowed, he has worked many things, I shouldn't say many, he has worked various things out of my life. And if I continue to surrender to him, he'll continue to work. Because there's still certain things in my life that I know he's going to show me. He showed me things at 60 that I didn't see at 50 about my life. And 50, 40, 40, 30. For you young people, you might not get this yet, but you'll get it. You keep surrendering to the Lord. When you're 25, you're going to look back at when you were 20 and you go, God, you have done a tremendous work the last five years. Thank you for working in my life. But he's not done, unless you say he's done. It's totally up to you. You see, if everything was always perfect, if everything was always in its place, if everything was polished to perfection, then we would most likely develop an attitude, and typically this attitude would be of pride and superiority. Well, I'm not like so-and-so. Let's look at Luke chapter 18 to see an exact story of this situation. 
Because you might think in your life, well, I'll never get to that point. You know, I'll never be prideful or superior over others. Well, be very careful. Is your lawn always well taken care of and your next door neighbor is not? Hmm. It can creep in in very subtle little ways, which will affect an attitude towards your neighbor that you really don't want. Luke 18. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who, what? What's what's the word there? Trusted. Ah, there's the problem. And that's going to be kind of the theme of our our study this morning. Am I going to trust more in God or am I going to keep trusting in myself? Guys, that's what submission comes down to. That they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So this would have drawn everybody right in immediately. Because a rabbi would tell stories. He would tell physical stories and then apply a spiritual principle to that story. So immediately everybody's ears would have perked up. Oh, we know what a Pharisee is. And oh, do we know what a tax collector is. But we hate those tax collectors. Not so crazy about the Pharisees sometimes either. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this IRS agent. That's today, right? Anybody paying taxes this year? I think they gave you till April 18th this year. That's so nice of them. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off. Now again, they're in the the temple area. Get the picture. It's hard for us to understand. But just, just kind of think of this church, okay? The guy right up front. As he looks around at, at the meet and greet, he says, boy, I'm glad I'm not like any of these people. Look how I'm dressed, and I give money, and I pray, and I do this, and I do that. And then there's another person in the very back who just kind of sits in their chair at the meet and greet because they're just humbled that they're even here. Maybe they haven't been to church ever. They don't know what to do. And maybe they're just, God, if you're real, please be real to me today because I need you. I don't get any of this, but I know I need you. Guys, this is, this is today. There are people outside these walls that are trying to find God, but there aren't too many pre- people presenting God the way that he really is in the Bible. They're twisting the Bible so that people will say, hey, you're a really cool dude, man. You're for LGBTQ rights. Way to go, pastor. I really like this church. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're for trans. Yeah, you are really cool, pastor. Yeah, that's fantastic. Loving them to hell. We don't want to love anybody to hell around here. So the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Beating your breast. What's in your breast? Your heart. Now, again, when we hear the word heart in the Bible, predominantly it's talking about your soul. So there's that symbolism of, God, you're knocking on my soul. You're knocking on my soul. I need you. I need you. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So Jesus gives that example, this story, 
I think there was probably a good pause, a well-deserved pause for people to really think, huh, what did the Pharisees say? Hmm, what did the tax collector say? Where is Jesus going with this? Hmm, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Which man? The tax collector went home justified rather than the Pharisee. It is not about external appearance. It's about internal. Where are our hearts? Jesus wraps it up with this. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. If not on this side of heaven, as I already said, on that side of heaven, they will be humbled. Their knee will bow. Because their billions mean nothing to the God of this universe. Where the streets in heaven are paved with gold. Literally. That's not figurative. That's literal. The gems that are on the foundation of heaven. Read your Bible. We, we have no idea. The gates are one, 12 gates. Each gate is one pearl. That's not a big oyster. That's just God saying, this is the way it's going to be. And he spoke it into being. Jesus spoke it into being. We have, we have no idea. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So as we look back into Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you see Paul Realize why the Lord gave him this thorn. Lest I should be exalted. You see, it's just a natural thing for the flesh to do, to brag about itself and its accomplishments. But the scriptures are quite clear that it is God who should receive all the praise and glory and no one else. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, we read this. For who makes you differ from another? Paul just asking the Corinthians, and we went over this uh, book before Second Corinthians, so maybe a year and a half ago. At this point, First Corinthians 4 was probably two years ago. And what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, you got a 401k? Did you work for that? No, you didn't. You donated to it. Our whole economy works for the 401k. And if the economy is doing really well, your 401k goes up. If the economy is not working for you, the 401 k comes down. It's not you working. Yes, you put your money into it, but you're not working for it. So who gave it to you? God. And if God wants to take it away, take it away, God. You'll provide for me some other way. I'm not putting my trust in my 401k. Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast if you had not received it? Why do you brag about something that you didn't actually work for? This happened to me. just popped into my mind. I got a call. I got to make it really short because I got other notes. But I got a call, I don't know how many years ago, maybe five years ago. It was in the fall. Well, I can tell you when it was because I just turned 55. So uh, eight years ago in the fall, I got a call. And a company that was uh, representing Motorola says, uh, sent me a letter first. And I got this letter. And I'm like, <laughs> I saw the amount of money that I was going to get. I go, here's a joke. Here's a scam. So I called the 800 number. I said, come on, this is a scam, right? And they, they verified things. They talked about things. They told me things about me that they shouldn't know. And I go, huh. They go, well, you have an account. I had an account? Yes, you put into this account when you were at Motorola from 85 to ni- or 83 to 95. <laughs> and I'm looking at this dollar amount. And I'm going, really? 
Really? They go, yes. Now you have an option. You can get a one-time check or you can get it over payments when you turn 65. And I go, well, I probably won't make 65, so send me the one-time check. <laughs> Praise God. But did I work for that? I didn't even know it was there. Hello, that's how bright I am. But who cares, right? They could have taken that would known. So who cares? Who are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? Trust in God. God gave Paul the spiritual insight into who he really was. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. In other words, this is true. Just receive it. You don't have to step back and go, I wonder if that's true. If I jump off a three-story building, I wonder if I'm going to hit the ground. No, no, that's true. You just better accept it before you jump. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, this is towards the end of Paul's ministry. This is not at the beginning of his ministry. This is towards the end of his ministry. And what does he say about himself? Of whom I am chief. Does that mean that Paul got really good at sinning and hiding it? No, what he's saying as you read your Bible is the closer he got to the light... Jesus is the light. The more the light exposed certain things in his life that he needed to surrender. And he didn't get puffed up with pride. He got humbled that God would even pick him. Because there was something there. And until you take your last breath, there's always going to be something there, myself included. We're flesh. We don't want it there. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I don't need to. I know you don't want it there. None of us wants it there. So just keep surrendering to the Holy Spirit, that he keeps it in check, and he will. But don't be surprised if it comes out here and then, because we're flesh. As it's easy to figure out from the parable of our Lord, exaltation or bragging about oneself is sin. So Paul came to that place of knowing that God was bringing a balance into his life through this thorn in the flesh. And it is quite easy to see in the scriptures that Paul could have easily bragged about his accomplishments. Easily. So I see this thorn in Paul's life as the Lord lovingly, lovingly helping him to mature. You see, he desired Paul to be totally dependent upon the grace given to him. And and Matt didn't know. I mean, he knew the scriptures, but he didn't know what I was going to say. I don't give my notes to him and say, Matt, pick your songs. Matt picks the songs through the Holy Spirit. And the songs he said, picked again, this morning, again, again, fit perfectly into the study. Are we becoming more totally dependent upon Christ or are we becoming more totally dependent upon the government? And this is really vital for you older saints. Those of you who are already socialist. I'm not socialist. Really? Really? Where do you get your social security check from? The government. Where do you get your health care from? The government. No, you're not socialist at all. No, no, not at all. Now, you know what I'm getting at. I know you're not socialist mentality, but you are totally relying upon the government. And I get that. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying, what happens if they come along and say, well, if you don't get the shot, you're not getting your check this month? Well, that'll never happen. Keep saying that. Keep saying that. Yeah, just keep saying it'll never happen. They're already doing it. No, they haven't. Oh, really? You haven't heard any stories the last two years about if you don't get a check, you're going to be fired. You're not going to be allowed to come to this workplace anymore. Wake up. We're moving towards Revelation chapter 13. One world government. One world economy. One world religion. 
Check out the... Th- well, forget it. Anyways. Okay, so got to keep moving here. Now, we shouldn't generalize and apply that thought to everyone who has an illness. This is where we re- need to be really careful. Or, to set, or a set of circumstances. But the Lord might just bring something or allow something into our lives that we could call a thorn in the flesh. My memory is a thorn in the flesh. I fried my brain in the 70s, literally. I did medicinal marijuana. No, it wasn't. It was hardcore pot. I smoked it on a regular basis when I was 12, 13 years old. I fried my brain. I thank God. I thank God. I just asked the kids, did we have a good time? We did, Dad. Praise God. That's just the way it is. So just go with it. You know something about yourself? Just go with it. God will still use you. I went for prayer to Mike McIntosh. Now, many of you don't know Mike McIntosh, but he was on a, a drug trip, and somebody fired a gun right next to his head. Wasn't trying to kill him. Just thought it'd be fun to do. He thought for, I think, 18 months, I forget the, the time frame it was, but for several months, he thought that half of his head was gone. He looked in the mirror. His head was totally there, but in his brain, he said, I've lost half of my head. He went and asked for prayer. He got prayer. God healed him. God restored his memory. He was able to quote Bible verses. He was able to lead a, a church of thousands of people. He just retired like five years ago. Phenomenal pastor. Loved Jesus. He got his memory fully restored. I went to him. I said, Mike, you got to pray for me. Because I fried my brain. I want to be like you. And God says, no. I've made you who I've made you. You're going to be like you. I didn't get healed. And after I did that several times, I just said, you know what? It is what it is. I'm moving on. So as you hear this lesson, you know, you want to look at your life. You know, what, what's going on in my life? Do I have a thorn in the flesh? Have I ever thought about that? And it's not your maid or your children. Don't be elbowing your maid or your child right now. You see, God will use them to help you mature in your walk for sure. Oh, man, will he use them. But they're not your thorn. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Do you see the action there? There's action there. God keeps us secure. But I can make poor choices to ruin my testimony. So this isn't, when, I, when you hear the word secure, sometimes we think, you know, well, I'll never get sick. That's, that's Christian nonsense. It just means your salvation is secure. You're not going to lose your salvation. Don't live like the devil. But just get that off the table, mature past that, and realize you're going to get cancer. You're going to get the flu. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. That's just part of life. Blow through it. If he takes you home, we'll rejoice with you. And I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. And even though we may think something is bad for us, when we look to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will show us how the Lord is working it for the good, building our character. You see, what the enemy tries to use for destruction... God uses for instruction and construction. That's called building you up. Edification in the Greek is an architectural term. Building you up. Building you up. Building up a stronger believer for the kingdom of God. The question is, am I willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do something, some molding and shaping in my life? I thank God for that young man. Danny, he doesn't know any better as an adult to listen to the Holy Spirit and come up in front of a bunch of people 
and say with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't know any better. He has a childlike faith. Praise God. That's what we need to have, childlike faith. Not childish. Not chi- There's a big difference. Childlike faith. God, you want me to do something? I'm going to do it. 2 Timothy 2 says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. A physical analogy, I believe this to be a physical analogy of our own lives. To teach what? A spiritual principle. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, you know, we have fine china in our house, we have paper plates. We had a picnic this afternoon, if it would have went out, we wouldn't have brought out the fine china for you old people. (laughs) Paper plates, right? That's just reality. So physical analogy, spiritual principle. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what? The latter. The latter. What's the latter? Our flesh. Our flesh. Do you want me to bring out my flesh? Or do you want me to bring out the Holy Spirit? We all want to bring out the Holy Spirit. He will be a vessel for honor. Notice a vessel. Sanctified and useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. Isn't that awesome? And I bet every hand would go up if I asked you this. I'm not going to. I know you want to be useful. I know you want to be used of God. Well, there's that dual relationship. God wants to use me, but am I willing to be used? God is always ready to use me. I'm not always ready to be used. That's just, that's just reality. I think we all can say yes. Notice that Paul prayed three times for the Lord to remove this thorn. You see, when a person starts to brag or to think that they've arrived, like the Pharisee in the early parable earlier parable, that person comes to that place of self-sufficiency. You know, I don't need God. I've got it all together because I've done this or that, or, or I don't do this or that. You see, self-sufficiency is a very dangerous place to be. Very dangerous. Paul, previously known as Saul, was a Pharisee, a man who was very intelligent, known to be the top of his class. He even writes this in the scriptures. A man who was very self-reliant, willing to take on those whom he thought were attacking Judaism, the Christians. And due to his religious fervor, Paul found himself in dangerous place, fighting against God himself. So God brought balance into the life of Paul by allowing this thorn in the flesh to come into his life. And Paul finally received the admonition of the Lord, again, after what? Three requests. For my strength, notice what Paul says, for my strength, in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That goes against our culture, doesn't it? Get knocked down, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get back in there, get back on the horse. You can do it. Yeah, well, what if you can't? Then you're going to have to admit, I can't. But does that mean that God stops using me? No. I just have to adjust my life with whatever circumstances are now I'm presented with and go, well, God, I'll serve you with this now. God can still use me. Can God not use you? God can use you. You just have to adjust. You have to adjust. Very, very important. See, notice that the Lord answers Paul's prayer, but not in the way he wanted it answered. Often the Lord answers our prayers, but we don't like the answer. So we keep asking God. Now, again, don't take this to an extreme. We've been praying for our kids for 41 years. Our oldest is 41, 38, 36, 34. We continue to pray for them, so don't take it to any extreme. 
But when God gives you an answer and you know it's the answer and you know it's the answer and you keep praying for another answer, <laughs> he's just going to take you around the mountain again. Say, okay, let's go. Come on, I love you enough. Let's go. You want to go through it again? Come on, let's do it again. Sooner or later, hopefully you'll surrender. Or we might just ask somebody else. Boy, have I had this happening. I've had this happen in my life. One time I had to ask a lady because I just knew something wasn't right. And she said, well, yeah, I've I've talked to other pastors. Well, have you talked to so-and-so? Yes. Have you talked to so-and-so? Yes. Have you talked to so-and-so? Yes. How many pastors have you talked to? I don't know. A lot. You're trying to find the right answer from me? I'm going to tell you what the other pastors said. Repent. Repent. Surrender. Get right with God. Now, goodbye. Sometimes we can find ourselves doing that. Just keep asking, just keep asking, just keep asking. No, therefore, what do we see? What does Paul come to conclusion in verse 9 there? Therefore, most gladly. He doesn't say, therefore, most sadly. All right, God, I'll, I'll serve you with this thorn. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, instead of allowing the infirmity to bring Paul down, Paul learned that he could use that infirmity to lift God up. You have that same potential. You have that same opportunity. Because I know when we ask for for servants, sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I just don't know the scriptures. Next time you get asked to serve and you say that, huh, can God use me? Absolutely. I have an infirmity. So what? Can God use you? Absolutely. It just goes back to surrender. Acts chapter 23. We're going to read these quick because we're running out of time. Matter of fact, write them down. I'm not ever going to read them. So write down Acts 23, 1 through 5. Do your own homework or take a picture, whatever you want to do. Acts 23, 1 through 5. Uh, Galatians... 12, uh, 4, 12 through 15, Galatians 12 through 15, and I'll just read, the, the la- I'll read verse 15 of that. Then, what then was your blessing, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. And then we have Galatians 6, 11, and Paul writes this, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. And the reason that I picked those out was we believe, I believe, that it was possibly the thorn was his eye ailment. His eye ailment. And if you read Acts chapter 23, you'll get another understanding why I think that. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 12, 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. This guy is a masochist. This is crazy. How many Christians today would say this? Would you say this? I don't know if I would say this. Really, I don't. But he does, so I guess I need to get there. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Notice that. Not for being foolish and making poor decisions and feeding my flesh. No, I just reap what I sow. But rather for Christ's sake. And and guys, we find ourselves here in 23. I I believe 23, as I've said many times, 23 is going to separate True Christians, I mean true Christians that are willing to forsake it all for Christ versus the Christians that are just like, yeah, I'll follow Jesus as long as it's comfortable. 
It gets uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know. I, I might just have to stay home and obey everybody. They're still saved. But this is the day and hour where we all need to take a stand and say, no, marriage is between one man and one woman. That goes back to Genesis. God created them, one man, one woman. That goes back to Genesis. For God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That goes back to the Torah, the word of God, as well as the New Testament. So I have to evaluate my own life and my own heart in the days we're living in. Most of the things that I teach from this pulpit, most churches will not say. Because it's all about numbers and money. It's not about numbers and money to me. It's about souls. And if it's not salvation on a Sunday morning, my main responsibility, according to Ephesians, is to teach you, disciple you, for these few short minutes, or Pastor Durrell on Wednesday night, or Pastor Tony at a men's Bible study, or Claudia discipling the women, or mentoring women. It's that moment in time where I get to disciple you for what? For the work of the ministry. That's what the Bible says the main role of the pastor is. Not to have an evangelistic outreach every Sunday morning. No. Our role as a pastor is to get you built up for the work of the ministry, whether that's here on campus, but predominantly the work of your ministry is out in the world. Hour and a half here, the rest of the week, out there. Very, very important. Paul says, I take pleasure. That means to think well of, to think it good. Man, I'm glad I got beat again. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11 and read it. Man, I'm glad I got flogged again. Wow, that was incredible. Infirmities, it means feebleness or mind of mind or body. I don't think he got up after he got beaten and said, is that the best you got? <laughs> Not like some kids after a spanking. It's like, yeah, you call that hard? In reproaches to insult, to insult. Paul was being insulted in the Corinthian church. He's whatever. Strong, strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That word means strong means powerful or capable. You see, Paul had come to the realization of what Job had come to hundreds of years earlier. In Job 2, we read this. Then his wife said to him, Do you still stand fast to your integrity? Now, wives, please learn from Job's wife, Mrs. Job. Don't do this to your husband. Curse God and die. What a wife. Hey, ah. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Now, guys, be careful you don't say this to your wife either. (laughs) Learn from the scriptures, you know. Be careful. Shall we indeed accept good from God? Here's the principle. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? Paul knew Job, not personally, but he knew of the writings. He knew the story. He probably had this verse memorized because that's what he's going a little adversity. I got a beating. So what? I got to minister to those who were beating to me. Maybe they came to know Christ later on. That was just Paul's mentality. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. What a great exhortation. Great exhortation. As we wrap it up, as the music team comes up, I I think that these verses give us insight into why Paul gloried in his infirmities. He realized that they drew him closer to God. It caused him to be totally reliant upon God and his ways. So as I'm listing these things, I encourage you to ask yourself a question. 
Am I being drawn closer to God through my infirmities or through my persecutions or am I walking away? Don't zip up your Bibles. Pay attention. This is the most important part, so to speak. Being totally reliant upon God and his ways. Do you find yourself as a Christian becoming more reliant upon God and his ways? Just a question for you. Because sometimes people go, well, I don't know how to become a, a, a you know, better Christian. You're not going to become a better Christian. You're going to become a stronger Christian, stronger in your faith. No such thing as a better Christian. Was he being punished by God? Hmm. I hear this sometimes. God must be mad at me what he's doing to me. Hmm. No, you need to read your Bible. God's not mad. He might be knocking off some rough edges, but he's not mad. Did Paul have enough faith to be healed? Think about that. Did Paul have enough faith? Because that's nonsense that's been going on the last 20, 30 years. You know, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't be in that wheelchair. That is so sick. That is so sick. So unchristian. But we've heard it. It's all about your faith. Obviously, Paul had enough faith. Was he disobedient? And God was using this illness to chasten him? You know, communion, 1 Corinthians 11. No, we don't see that in the scriptures. His life doesn't show us that. I think the obvious answer is this. Paul needed to learn. Okay? Paul needed to learn. And I think all of us, myself included, I still am learning. Paul needed to learn that he needed to be totally reliant upon God. And that is what he learned. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And Lord, no matter how far in the faith we go, it's because you're giving us your Holy Spirit. This is not self-generated. This is because your Holy Spirit, we're allowing your Holy Spirit to do work in our lives. So Father, we thank you and praise you that you're still willing to work with a broken vessel, a crackpot. And through that, Father, you can do wonderful things. You can minister to the believer. You can minister to the unbeliever. You can help us to go out into this world that is so living in fear of nuclear war. And no, I want to be at ground zero. I'm going to see Jesus. How about you? We can minister to other people that we don't live in fear of death. We're excited about it. Because we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see God. We're going to literally see the Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we go out into our workplace, as we go out into our neighborhood, uh, maybe we're in an elder care facility, whatever it might be, Lord, there's people that need Jesus. Wherever we're shopping at that day, at that moment in time, help us maybe be a little more aware of our surroundings and and a little more in tune with your Holy Spirit. Uh, I know for me myself, I have an agenda many times and I got to get things done. Help me to to maybe just slow down a little bit and just ask for more of your Holy Spirit to be aware of my surroundings and, and people around me and how I might minister a little better. Father, we thank you and praise you that you will never not answer that prayer request. That prayer request will always be answered. If we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, if we knock, if we seek for more of the Holy Spirit, Father, you will always, always, always give us more of your Holy Spirit.
and that's what we need in these days we're living in. More of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.